G'day, and welcome to the AOS Coach sneak peek into the 2022 Ogre Moor Tribes Battle Tome. It's time to feed, ladies and gentlemen, because in this video, I'm going to empty the Moor Pot and spill the Allegiance abilities, ways to customize your force with enhancements, those key war scroll changes, and the points. Games Workshop did send me this book in advance at no cost, but they will have no involvement in the creation of this video. You'll also find in this book a heap of art, narrative gem, path to glory rules, as well as that unique code for you to unlock your rules in the AOS app. Now let's start at the Allegiance level and your favorite more tribes are still around, but there are a couple of tweaks that we'll discuss a little bit later. You've still got your six sub-factions like Meat Fist, Blood Gullet, Underguts, Boulderhead, Thunderbellies and Winterbite. You've still got Might Makes Right, and for the purpose of contesting objectives, your friendly Ogre Moor Tribe models will count as two models when contesting the objectives. If they're a hero that's not a monster, they'll count as five, but if they are a monster, they'll count as ten. No changes there. You've kept Ravenous Brutes, and if you're not familiar with the rule, it's about being either hungry or being eating. Now, if your Ogre Moor Tribes unit is more than three inches away from all enemy units, it is deemed being hungry. However, if it's within three inches of an enemy unit, it is deemed as eating. You get to add two inches to the movement characteristic of a unit that is hungry, or if they're eating, you get to add two to the bravery characteristic while it's eating. This is a simple but effective set of rules because either your unit is going to be getting plus two to its movement characteristic to help them get into the fight or onto an objective earlier, or they're going to get plus two to their bravery so you don't have to worry as much about battle shock. You've still got trampling charge to do mortal wounds on the charge, and the way it works is after a friendly ogre or a rhinox unit makes a charge move, you get to pick one enemy unit within one inch of that unit and roll the number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll for that charge move. Now on a 6+, plus, you get to do one mortal wound to the unit. Now if you are charging with an ogre unit with three or more models, that goes from 6 to 5, and if you're charging with a monster, that's going from 6 to 4s. Say your Frostlord on Stonehorn rolls a 9-inch charge, that would be 9 dice doing mortal wounds on a 4+. plus. Charge that Stonehorn into an enemy monster and bracket the profile before the combat even starts, or charge it into a high-armored save elite unit and do some extra mortal wounds between the Trampling Charge and Stomp Monstrous Rampage. Gulping Bite has moved off the melee profile of your Gut Busters and it's now an ability. And the way it works is at the end of the combat phase, you get to roll a dice for each enemy unit within 3 inches of a friendly Gut Buster Ogre unit. And on a 4+, plus, that unit's going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. The final set of Allegiance abilities to be brought over from the old book is the Grasp of the Everwinter. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 3 inches of any friendly Beast Claw Raiders unit. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of the current battle round, that unit's going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. Now it's unlikely this is going to do a heap of damage in the early game, however as the game progresses and things get a little bit frostier, this could be the difference maker on killing a unit that might be holding the objective, or might be those one or two cheeky mortal wounds to pull down that minor hero. Finally, you have a new set of rules called the Beasts of Winter, and this is a new set of monstrous rampages available for your Stonehorns and your Thunder Tusks. There's one for each of them. Now, traditionally, you know how monstrous rampages work. You can issue them, raw, stomp, blah, blah, blah. But instead, a friendly Beast Claw Raider monster unit can carry out one of the following. 
Unstoppable charge is for Stonehorn units that have made a charge move in the same phase as when they carry out the monstrous rampage. If they do so, that unit can make a 3d6 move and it can pass over enemy units the same way as if it could fly. It must finish its move within 3 inches of any enemy units. At the end of the move, you get to roll a dice for each unit that it's passed across and on a 2+, it's going to deal d3 mortal wounds. If you carry out Chill of the Everwinter, you get to roll a dice for each enemy unit within 1 inch of that Thunder Tusk. On a 3+, the Strike Last Effects applies to that unit until the end of the following combat phase. While I do love both of these, that unstoppable charge for that Stonehorn is insanely scary with the average of uh, a 10 inch move on a 3d6 after you've landed that charge. So that allows you to jump the enemy trash screens and hit their squishy center, maybe get into a key piece they've been trying to protect. You do have a large base, so positioning and planning where that move's going to be is going to be very critical for you. Looking into the ways to customize your force, there are nine command traits to choose from. Your Gutbuster heroes have five options. Reluctant Rabble Rouser means you don't have to take Battleshock tests for friendly Noblar units that are wholly within 18 inches of your general. The Gastromancer is for butchers only, and this general is going to know the spells of all of the lore of the gut magic, in addition to any spells that it already knows. Deadly Aim is for your Blood Pelt Hunter, the new hero, and that is going to change the hit characteristic of the unit's missile weapons to 2 instead of a 4+. Killer Reputation is for Tyrants only, and before you set up the general for the first time, you can pick an additional big names for them, although you can't duplicate your first choice with your second choice. They've got to be two different ones. X Mercenary can be chosen for any of your Gutbuster heroes, and if you select it, friendly man-eater units are going to have the battle line battlefield role. In addition, at the start of your hero phase, if your general is on the battlefield, you get to roll a dice for each friendly man-eater's unit that is eating. For every three plus, you get to receive one extra command point, but it has to be spent on man-eater units. You have four command traits to choose from on the Beast Claw Raiders side. Voice of the Avalanche lets your general issue command traits to friendly units on the battlefield instead of being wholly within 18 inches, as well as once per battle the general can issue a command without a command point being spent. Beastmaster is for Stonehorn heroes or Thundertusk heroes only. Once per battle when the general is picked to fight it can say that it'll dig its heels and if it does so until the end of that phase it can use the top row of the general's damage table regardless of how many wounds that it's suffered. Touched by the Everwinter gives your general the priest keyword, and if it's already a priest, it's going to get to know all of the prayers from the Everwinter prayer scripture, in addition to any of the ones that it already knows. Finally, you have the Skull Packmaster, and that is for Icebrow Hunters only. When you use the general's Master of Ambush ability, it's going to allow you to put three Frost Saber units in reserve instead of one. Of the command choices, I'm initially drawn to either the Gastromancer to give my Butcher full access to the Gut Magic spell lore for a bit more flexibility throughout the game. Deadly Aim is going to be solid if I want to make my General the Blood Pelt Hunter, but that's a big if. Finally, the Voice of the Avalanche or even Beastmaster would be my favorites in the Beast Claw Raider side. Beastmaster is going to be helpful later in the game to help maximize the offense, while Voice of the Avalanche can be helpful depending on how I'm building my lists and if my other unit selections can issue their own commands. There are also eight artifacts with four on each side of the book, but many of them are keyworded to specific heroes.
Gutbuster Heroes have four artifacts to choose from. The Gruesome Trophy Rack, Flask of the Stonehorn Blood, Splatter Cleaver, and the Fang of Gur. Gruesome Trophy Rack adds plus one to the hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Gutbuster units that are wholly within 12 inches of the bearer, as long as they target a monster or a hero. Flask of Stonehorn Blood once per battle at the start of a phase, you can say that the bearer is going to drink the potion, and if you do so, it'll have a ward of three up until the end of that phase. Splatter Cleaver allows you to pick one of the bearer's melee weapons, and at the end of the combat phase, if there are any wounds caused by an attack made by that weapon in that phase, you can heal D3 wounds allocated to each friendly ogre's unit that's wholly within 12 inches of the bearer. You do have to roll separately on those D3 wounds. Finally, the Fang of Gur is for Tyrants only, and that'll turn the Beast Skewer Glaive into a Rend characteristic of minus 3 instead of its Rend minus 1. Your Beast Claw Raider heroes have four artifacts to choose from. You have the Elixir of the Frostworm, the Frost Talon Shard Bolts, Carvalox Flank, and the Seed of Alvagar. The Elixir of Frostworm once per battle in the shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within six inches of the bearer and roll a dice. On a two up, it'll suffer d6 mortal wounds. The Frost Talon Shard Bolts is for Icebrow Hunters only, and if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by the Hunter Crossbow is a six, that attack will cause d3 mortal wounds in addition to any damage it inflicts. Kavalosk Flank gives Yeti units that are wholly within 12 inches of the bearer at the start of the movement phase an extra 2 inches when they make a move during that phase. And the Seed of Alvagar is for Stonehorn heroes or Thundertusk heroes only, and once per battle in the charge phase you can carry out a second monstrous rampage with the bearer. The second monstrous rampage cannot be a rampage that has already been carried out in this phase. Of the artifact choices, I'm initially drawn to the Gruesome Trophy Rack to help boost up those gut busters either in melee or in shooting. And on the Beast Claw Raider side, it's either the Elixir of the Frostworm to help me pull down a supporting hero with a bunch of mortal wounds, or the Seed of Alvagar to throw down that second monstrous rampage. So perhaps it's a combination of the Faction One and then Titanic Duel, Roar or Stomp, or obviously you could do two of the generic ones, whatever. There are also three mount traits for your stone horns and three for your thunder tusk. With your stone horn, you've got Metal Cruncher, Belligerent Charge, and the Rock Main Elder. Metal Cruncher at the start of the combat phase lets you pick one enemy war machine that's within three inches, or a unit that has a save of three, two, or one that's within three inches. That's going to suffer D6 mortal wounds. Belligerent Charger is going to guarantee yourself at least seven dice for the purpose of trampling charge. And the Rockmain Elder is going to subtract one from wound rolls for attacks that target this unit. When it comes to your Thunder Tusk, you've got the Flesh Greed, the Rhyme Frost Hide, and the Matriarch. Flesh Greed at the start of the hero phase, if this unit is eating, you're going to heal D3 wounds. The Rhyme Frost Hide is going to give your Thunder Tusk hero a 5 up ward. And the Matriarch is going to add one to charge rolls for friendly Thunder Tusk units that are wholly within 12 inches of this hero. When it comes to your spell and your prayer laws, you have seven spells to choose from and three prayers to choose from. Now, this is not story time with Coach, so I'm not going to read out every single one. Maybe just a couple of my favorites. If you're running your Gut Busters, it's hard to go past Blood Feast, which is a casting value of seven and a range 18. And if successfully cast, you get to pick one Ogre unit that's not a monster and add one to the attack characteristics of its melee weapon until the start of your next hero phase. 
Alternatively, with your Beast Claw Raiders, Molten Entrails is probably my favorite spell with a casting value of 6 and a range 18. And if successfully cast, you get to pick one friendly Ogre Maw Tribes monster unit that's going to be in range invisible. And until the start of your next hero phase, add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons used by that monster's mount. With your fire bellies, you've got the fiery whirlwind, the billowing ash, and the tongues of flames. My favorite one probably would be the fiery whirlwind, which is a casting value of 6 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, you get to pick one enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in the unit that's within range and visible to the caster. And for every 4+, plus, it's going to do one mortal wound. If the model only has one model, then you get to roll three dice instead of one. So it's a couple of mortal wounds, especially if you happen to go up against a horde. But even if you don't go up against a horde, it's still a couple of good mortal wounds. Alternatively, Billowing Ash will make your Fire Belly a bit of a debuff wagon with a casting value of 6, a range of 12, and if successfully cast until your next hero phase, uh, the enemy is going to subtract 1 from hit rolls that target friendly units while they're wholly within that 12-inch bubble of the caster. Finally, you do have your prayer scriptures and the Beast Claw Raider priests have access to three. A lot of them are very similar, if not the same as the old book. You've got Pulverizing Hailstorm, Keening Gale and the Call of Blizzard. Keening Gale is probably one of my favorites with an answer value of three and a range of 18. And if successfully chanted, you get to pick one uh, monster or a Mournfang pack that's going to be in range and visible to the chanter and add three to the movement characteristic until your next hero phase. If you're looking for a bit more damage, Pulverizing Hailstorm is the prayer for you with an answer value of 3 and a range of 18. And if successfully chanted, you pick a point on the battlefield that's within 18 inches and you roll a dice for each unit that's within 3 inches of that point that you picked. And on 2 up, that unit's going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. Now, I mentioned previously you've got your 6 sub-factions to choose from and you will recognize them all from the previous battle tome. Meat Fist is going to add one to each roll made for the trampling charge battle trait by friendly Meat Fist Gutbuster units. Blood Gullet is going to give friendly Butchers an extra spell from the Law of Gut Magic. In addition, friendly Blood Gullet Butchers can attempt to cast one extra spell in their hero phase. Underguts is going to improve the Ren characteristic of missile weapons by those Undergut Lead Belchers and the Undergut Iron Blasters by one. Boulder Head is going to give two extra wounds to each of your Stone Horns or your Thunder Tusk units. And in addition, you can pick three Stone Horn heroes or Thunder Tusk heroes to have a different mount trait instead of the one. Thunderbelly's Mournfang packed units can run and still charge later in that turn. While Winterbite is going to subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by missile weapons that target friendly Winterbite units that are wholly within your territory. And in addition, friendly Winterbite Frost Savers, Icebrow Hunters, and the Icefall Yetis are not going to be visible to enemy units if they're outside of 12 inches of the enemy. Now, while there are some good sub-faction rules, there are other considerations like your battle line options, and your Ogre Gluttons are always going to be battle line in Ogre More Tribes. The Stonehorn Beast Riders, the Thundertusk Beast Riders, and the Mournfang Pack are going to be battle line if your general is a Beast Claw Raider. Frost Savers are battle line if your general is an Icebrow Hunter. Iron Guts and Lead Belchers are battle line if your general is a Gutbuster. And Icefall Yetis are going to be battle line if your general is a Thundertusk. Next up is your new Grand Strategies and your Battle Tactics, and there are four Grand Strategies to choose from. 
Ready to plunder is completed if there are more friendly units wholly within enemy territory than enemy units. Sage of the Monster Hunter is completed if an enemy monster was destroyed by wounds caused by an attack by your general and your general is not slain. On the Moor Path is completed if you complete four or more battle tactics from the Ogre Moor Tribes. Enough Grub for All is completed if the Moor Pot in your army is full at the end of the game and you've spent it at least once. So you're going to have to refill it. It's not like Zinch where you get to do some cheaty Gren strategies. You're going to have to spend it and then refill it. And then not spend it again. While there are also six battle tactics, eat your fill is completed at the start of the combat phase if every friendly ogre's unit is eating. Savor the taste cannot be picked in the first battle round, but it's completed if every friendly ogre unit is hungry. Avalanche of flesh is completed if 10 or more mortal wounds were caused by the trampling charge battle trait this turn. To score Winter Take there, you pick one enemy hero or an enemy monster, and you complete it if that enemy unit is destroyed by the wounds caused by the grasp of the Everwinter battle trait. Let Them Loose is completed if you carry out four of the monstrous rampages this turn. And Boil Their Bones lets you pick one enemy hero or an enemy monster, and it's completed if that enemy unit is destroyed within six inches of an empty Great Maw Pot in your army. There are four core battalions for you to use in match play. The Yorbad has a mandatory one Huskard on Stonehorn, one Stonehorn Beast Rider, and two Mournfang Pack, with an optional one Frostlord on Stonehorn, two more Stonehorn Beast Riders, and two more Mournfang. And the benefit you're going to get is Swift, which is giving you that free once per game at the double or forward to victory. The Yorbad has the exact same loadout as the Jawbad, except in the benefit is going to be uh, you get Slayer instead of Swift, so that'll give you an all-out attack or an Unleash Hell for free. The Torbad forces you to have at least one Huskard on Thundertusk and one Thundertusk Beast Rider, with an optional one Frostlord on Stonehorn. You've also got an optional of two Thundertusk Beast Riders and three Icefall Yetis. And the benefit there is going to be expert, so you can either get a free all-out attack or all-out defense. Finally, you've got Junk Mob that has a mandatory one unit of Noblars and one Scrap Launcher, with an optional two extra units of Noblars and one extra Scrap Launcher. And the benefit there is going to be Slayer, so you can either have a free all-out attack or a free Unleash Hell. Finally, you have the more Pot, and I didn't see a single thing different between the old War Scroll and the new War Scroll. Now let's dig into all the War Scroll changes, and there were a fair amount of changes that happened within the book. Starting off with the Frostlord on Stonehorn, it does have the same move, save, bravery, melee profile, earth shattering charge, and stone skin. It did see a change in its wounds characteristic. It has gained two extra wounds. It's now at 15 wounds uh, base. It also has seen a damage table change. So it used to have five tiers on the damage table. It's now down to four. So it's zero to five, six to eight, uh, nine to 11, and then 12 plus. It did lose the old bellowing voice command ability, uh, which was the reroll charges, but it did gain a new ability called bellowing charge, not to confuse you. That's going to give you plus one to charge rolls for friendly beast claw raider units that are wholly within 12 inches. 
It's also gained Frost Spear, and if the unmodified wound roll for an attack made by a Frost Spear targets an enemy hero or an enemy monster, and it's a 6, you subtract 1 from the attack characteristic of that unit's melee profile to a minimum of 1 until the end of that phase. Now, it doesn't stack. It, a same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once. I'm super excited by the Huskard on Stonehorn, although it does have the same move, the same save, Bravery, Earth Shattering Charge, and Stone Skeleton. It has seen a Wounds increase of 2 as well, so it's now a base wound of 12. There was some changes in the Harpoon Launcher. It's now Rend 1, and the Crushing Hooves are now 2 inches. It too has the same damage table of 4 tiers. The Blood Vulture now can affect anyone on the battlefield that's visible. Formerly it was 30 inches, now it's just board wide. It did lose the Line Breaker's ability, which was a command ability that you'd issue to, I think, Mournfang. It gains an ability called Realm In. If an attack made by the Chain Trap scores a hit on an enemy monster unit and you don't kill it, after all the attacks are resolved, you get to roll a dice. And on a 4+, that monster is snagged until the start of your next shooting phase. Now, what does this all mean? While a monster unit is snagged, each time it makes a move, it must finish its move at least as close to the unit that snagged it as it was at the start of the move. What excites me the most about the Huskard on Stonehorn is it's gained the Priest keyword, Alleluia. So it's got access to Winter Endurance and the Winter Strength Prayers that you're probably already familiar with with the Huskard on Thunder Tusk. Speaking of Winter Endurance and Winter Strength, the prayers look exactly the same as what it used to be, except the prayer answer value has gone from 4 down to 3. And the reason is, is that it's lost that Blizzard Speaker ability, I think it was, where you used to get plus 1 to your chanting rolls if you were near another Thunder Tusk. With the Stonehorn Beast Rider, it too has the same move, save Bravery, Earth Shattering Charge, and Stone Skeleton. It too gained two extra wounds, so it's now a base profile of 14 wounds. It also has the same change with its Harpoon Launcher and its Crushing Hooves. The damage table also is four tiers. It gained the exact same Realm inability that we saw on the Huskard on Stonehorn, and it also has the change to the Blood Vulture, which is the same as the Huskard on Stonehorn. The Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk has the same move, save, bravery, the Frost Wreath Ice, and the Blast of the Frost Wreath Ice. Uh, the Numbing Chill, the melee weapons are all the same. It too gained two extra wounds, so it's now 15 wounds. It lost the old bellowing voice that had a command ability to reroll charges, but it did gain the exact same bellowing voice for the plus one to charge on friendly Beast Claw Raiders that are wholly within 12 inches. It too has this, the Frost Spear I just spoke about with the um, the reducing of the melee weapons down to one. And it has the same four damage tiers, the 0 to 5, 6 to 8, 9 to 11, and 12 plus. The Huskard on Thunder Tusk has the same move, the same save, the Frost Wreath Ice, the Blast of Frost Wreath Ice, the Chain Trap, the Numbing Chill, both the melee profiles are all the same. And that's also true of the Thunder Tusk Beast Riders. You have gained two extra wounds, so you're now up to a wounds characteristic of 14. You've also gained a point of bravery, so you're now up to bravery of 9. The Harpoon Launcher is now Rend minus 1. It also has a 4-tier damage table, 0 to 5. We've already gone through this. The Blood Vulture, the Reel Them In, the Winter's Endurance, the Winter Strength is the same as the Huskard on Stonehorn that we just spoke about. 
And as previously mentioned, it has lost Blizzard Speaker, which used to give you plus one to your chanting roll if you were near a friendly Thunder Tusk. But as I also mentioned, uh, the prayer answer value went down from four. It's now a three. So you doesn't require synergies with another Thunder Tusk. The Thunder Tusk Beast Rider has the same move, save bravery. Again, the Frost Wreath Ice and the Blast of Frost Wreath Ice, the Chain Trap, the Numbing Chill, the Melee Profiles, all the same. It too gained an extra two wounds, so it's now a base of 14 wounds. The Harpoon Launcher and the Blood Vultures is the same as the Husk Guard on Thunder Tusk. It too gained the Real Them inability, which we've already spoken about on the Husk Guard on Thunder Tusk. The Man Trappers have both the same moves, Save, Bravery, Wounds, Master of Ambush, Bushwhackers, Trap, Hidden Traps, and Here You Go Boss, all the same. There were a couple of changes in the weapon profile. The Trap Launcher is now Rend minus one. Uh, the Hunting Knife is now two inch range. The Sharp Stuff now wounds on a four, which used to wound on a five. The Assortment of Weapons is now two attacks each. You've got a hit and a wound roll of four, so that's gotten a little bit easier as well. Otherwise, the rest of the profiles are the same. There's a language change in the Thrafnir. It's the same ability, but previously you could set up a Frost Saber. Now you must set up a Frost Saber. You've also gained some rules called the Shivering Noblars, and essentially this unit is not considered a Beast Claw Raiders unit for the purpose of the Grasp of the Everwinter battle trait. Your Fire Belly has the same move, the same save, the same bravery, the same wounds, and the Bolt Salt Hammer. There was a change in the Fire Breath. It is now range 8, formerly 6. The range characteristic is no longer a D3 Mortal Wounds on a 4-up. Instead, the attack characteristic is equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 10. You hit on 2s, wound on 3s, no rend for 1 damage. Finally, there was a change in the Cascading Fire Cloak which is a spell that goes off on a 5, used to be 6, so it's gotten a little bit easier, and it has a range of 3. If successfully cast, you get to roll a dice for each enemy unit that's within range, and on a 4+, it's going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. And in addition, if the spell was successfully cast, uh, your fire belly is going to get a ward of 5 up until the start of your next hero phase. It used to just give you plus 1 save. I really like now the 5 up ward. Your Mournfang pack have the same move, the same save, the same wounds, the same Ironlock pistols, the Hornblower, the Standard Bearer, the Iron Fist. There was a change in its bravery. It used to be six. It's now seven. The Culling Club Prey Hacker uh, melee profile is now range two and rend one. The Gargant Hacker is now rend two. The Tusks now are damage two. And the Champion is going to give you plus one melee attack. You did lose the Mournfang charge, which used to give you plus one damage on the tusks if you charge, but I guess it's now just a flat two anyway. Finally, you've gained the Linebreaker's ability, which is subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made by missile weapons that target this unit. And in addition, if they are targeted by Unleash Hell, those attacks are only going to wound on an unmodified wound roll of a six. Now that's hot. It means you're going to charge into some nice little juicy shooting units and significantly reduce the amount of damage coming in. The Icebrow Hunter has the same move, save, bravery, wounds, both missile weapons and the Master of Ambush all remain unchanged. The Culling Club is now range of two, it used to be only one. 
It did lose the mighty throw, which was run and shoot with the spear. It also lost the icy breath, which was that four-up mortal wound missile weapon attack. But it did gain a ability called lead the skull. Now, you can use that command ability at the start of your charge phase, and the command can only be issued by this unit and can only be received by Frost Saber unit. Until the end of that phase, when you attempt to charge with the unit, you can change one of the dice rolls to a four. I guess that makes a minimum of a five-inch charge. Your Frost Savers have the same move, the same save, the same bravery, and the same elongated fangs. They've gained an extra wound characteristic, so they're now a base of three wounds each. They've gained an ability called Hunters of the Frozen Winds, and I really like this rule actually. The unit is not visible to enemy units while it's in cover. There was a change in their master's voice, and instead of being plus three to their charge rolls and a, a bravery boost, it's now they don't take Battleshock tests if they're wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Icebrow Hunter. Ice Four Yetis have the same move, save, bravery, wounds, uh, bounding leaps, uh, which was at six inch pile in. You have uh, a change in your melee profile. It's now range two. You've also got a change in the aura of frost. Now that is a six up ward. It used to be a minus one to hit penalty. Um, so now you've got a six up ward. And there's another change in the invigorating by the blizzard aura. It's now a range of 15. It used to be 16 from friendly thunder tusks. Now you did get a brand new hero and that is the Blood Pelt Hunter, which has a move of six, a save of five, bravery eight and wounds of eight. It has two missile weapon profiles and one melee profile. The Skull Shatter Crossbow has a range of 18 with two attacks, hits on fours, wounds on threes, rend one for D3 damage, while the Impaling Spear has a 12 inch range, one attack, hitting on fours, wound on twos, rend two for D6. In melee, you have the Hacker Axe and Meat Blade, which has a two inch range with five attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on threes, rend one for two damage. It does have the Destruction, Ogre, More Tribes, Ogre, Gutbuster, Hero, and Blood Pelt Hunter keywords. And there are three abilities to call out. Hidden Predators is exactly the same as what we just spoke about with the Frost Sabers, and that is the Blood Pelt Hunter cannot be uh, targeted or is not visible to an enemy while it's in cover. It has this unrelenting hunter ability that I really like, which is at the end of your opponent's movement phase, if this unit is more than nine inches from all enemy units, it can make a normal move. And then finally, your beast breaker. So if the target is a monster, the damage characteristic of that skull shatter a crossbow is a three, and the damage characteristic of the impaling spear is a flat six. So no variability, you target a monster, you're doing flat three and flat six damage. Now, when it comes to the other side of the book for our gut busters, we have the Tyrant first, and that has the same move, the same save, the same bravery, the same wounds, the Ogre Pistol missile weapon, the Beast Skewer Glaive ability, um, the Thunder Mace ability, all the same. There was a change in the Beast Skewer Glaive. It's now range 2, used to be 3. The rest of that profile is the same. There were some changes in the big name, so Death Cheater gives the Tyrant a 5-up ward. Brawler Guts now treats the Tyrant as a monster for the purpose of the Trampling Charge Battle Trait. The War Crusher now improves the Ren characteristic of the melee weapons by one if it's targeting someone who's in cover or in garrison, while the Fate Seeker, the Long Strider, and the Giant Breaker are the same. 
The final change on the Tyrant is the Bully of the First Degree, and if a friendly Ogre Moor Tribes unit fails a Battle Shock test within three inches of a friendly unit with this ability, only one model's going to flee. The Slaughter Master has the same move, save, bravery, wounds. It's still a single caster and a single unbind wizard, and the Blood Gruel remains unchanged. The Stumpblade melee profile is now range 2, it used to only be 1, and it's rend minus 1. The rest is the same. There were some changes with the Great Cauldron. If you roll that 1 and get bad meat, it's now only going to cause 1 mortal wound to your uh, Slaughter Master instead of D3. The Trogoth Guts is the same, and you still do a bunch of healing. Uh, Spine Marrow is going to add one to your wound rolls for friendly Ogre units that are wholly within 12 inches. It used to only be plus one to hit. I like the plus one to wound. Bone Crusher now deals D3 mortal wounds on a two up. It used to be a four up to each enemy unit that's within six inches of the Slaughter Master. There were changes in the Rock Chomper. It has the same casting value of 5 and a range of 18. But the rule now is until the start of your next hero phase, rolls made by enemy units within 3 inches of this unit for the purpose of the Gulping Bite battle trait does D6 mortal wounds on a 4-up instead of D3. The Butcher has the same move, the same save, bravery, wounds, single caster, single unbinder wizard, blood gruel, and vicarious maw all the same. The only change that I noticed on the Butcher is the Tenderizer and Cleaver both have a range of 2, so it's increased from 1 to 2. The rest is the same. With your Gluttons, it's the same move, save, bravery, wounds. The Crusher Champion and the Iron Fist all remain unchanged. Your Club Blade Melee is now a range of 2 and a rend of minus 1. The rest of that profile is the same. When you have your paired clubs and blades, it lost the ability that used to give you exploding sixes, so for every hit you'd get two hits, but instead it gained a new melee profile called paired clubs and blades. So it lost the ability, gained a profile, and that profile is a range of two, four attacks, hits on threes, wounds on threes, rend one for two damage. So there was a change in Bellowa, and that's now plus one to charge. It used to be a minus one to the bravery. The Standard Bearer had a change. The Beast Skulls is now plus one to Bravery. So that used to be on the Tribal Banner. It's now on the Beast Skull Banner. But the Tribal Banner now causes minus one to wound with Missile Weapons. So the Tribal Banner used to give you reroll charges. That's gone. The other ability uh, you've lost, actually, is that the Lookout Nobler, the six-up ward against shooting, has completely disappeared. Urine Guts have the same move, the same save, the same bravery, the same wounds, the same Gut Lord. The Mighty Bashing Weapon is now Rend minus 2, while the rest of the profile remains the same. The Bellowa is now plus 1 to charge as well. It did lose part of the Standard Bearer rules. You still ignore the effects of spells on a 6, but you lost the part where if an enemy unit that is within range of the Standard Bearer fails the Battleshock test, you used to be able to make an extra D3 models flee. Uh, that, that part's disappeared. You just still ignore the effects of spells on a 6. There was a change with Down with the Iron Guts. It's now once per battle in the combat phase. After this unit has fought for the first time, you can say that it unleashes its ferocity. And if you do so, it can fight for a second time. But when it fights for the second time, it has the Strike Last effect applied. You've gained a new rule called Gut Guard, and before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to a friendly tyrant, or instead of making a ward roll for a wound or a mortal wound to be allocated to a friendly tyrant, 
If that friendly tyrant is within three inches of the iron guts, you can roll a dice and on a one to a two, that wound or mortal wound is still allocated to the tyrant as normal. But on a three up, that wound or mortal wound is allocated to the iron guts instead of the tyrant. The lead belchers have the same move, save, bravery, wounds and champion. There was a couple of changes. The lead belcher gun is now range 18, a massive increase going from 12 to 18 big fan of this change the rest is still the same the bludgeoning blow is now range of two it used to only be range of one there was a change in the thunderous blast of hot metal instead of doing d6 attacks if it doesn't move it now does 2d3 attacks so you should get consistently get more attacks out of your lead belchers your man eaters have the same move save bravery wounds the pistol and throwing star missile weapon is the same the slicer and bashers is now range of two been there done that has changed so if you choose brawler it's now a plus one to wound in melee formerly it was reroll ones to hit crack shot is now giving you a range of 18 with missile weapons um, that was reroll ones with shooting uh, strider and stubborn are the same it also gained a rule called a barrel of meat and the job's done and you can use his command ability at the start of the hero phase the command can only be issued by this unit and until the end of the turn each model in this unit counts as three for the purpose of contesting objectives so essentially you become expert conquerors gorgeous have the same move save and bravery uh, they've gained an extra wound so they're now a wound characteristic of six they have had a change in their long claws, now being range of two. Ambushing Hunters no longer has the restriction of their first movement phase, so they can still come out of the battlefield anywhere from outside of nine inches of the enemy units. It's just that previously you had to put them in the first turn. Now you can put them down, I guess, in turn two or turn three. You did lose Insatiable Hunger, which was the reroll charges. But you did gain Gruesome Devourers, and if this unit is a part of an Ogre More Tribes unit and they are eating, enemy units within 9 inches of this unit cannot receive Inspiring Presence or the Rally Command. That's hot. With the Black Powder Buccaneers, I noticed no change. So according to me, there is the same move, save Bravery Wounds, the Missile and the Melee Profiles, the Companions, the Legendary Looter, the Minions, they all seem the same to me. The Iron Blasters have the same move, save, bravery, wounds, lethal, payload, and Rhinox charge. There was a change in the Iron Blaster cannonball. It's now range of uh, 30, so it used to be 24. It's now gained 6 inches of shooting. It also gained an extra attack, so now it is a base profile of 2 attacks, and it does D3 plus 3 damage, so it used to be D6. So you should be getting more range, more attacks, more damage good news for the iron blaster the iron blaster hail shot has also improved it's now 10 attacks it used to be only six and it now does two damage each it used to only do one damage there was also a change in the clubber and sharp horn melee profile it's now a range of two formerly it used to be range one the scrap launcher has the same move save bravery wounds the rhinox charge the melee weapons all the same there were some changes, but bear with me because they've recycled some of the names. So there'll be old versions and new versions. So the pile of old scrap missile weapon is the new deadly rain of scraps ability. So the attack profile is equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 20. 
there was a change in the pile of old scraps so in the shooting profile the hit and the wound profiles have switched they are now hitting on fours and wounding on threes and then finally the old deadly rain of scraps has become an ability called the deadly loaded up now at the start of the shooting phase you can pick one friendly noblar unit that's wholly within nine inches of the scrap launcher and roll 2d6 if the roll is less than the number of models in the Noblar unit, you get to add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by the pile of scraps until the end of that phase. Speaking of Noblars, they have the same move, save, bravery, wounds, missile and melee profiles and the champion. They did lose the screeching horde ability and there was a change with trappers. It's become nasty trappers and tricks. Each time an enemy unit finishes a move within 6 inches of a friendly unit with this ability, roll a dice. On a 4-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. It used to formerly be 3 inches and mortals on 6s. So I guess it's better range and it's probably more likely to trigger. So there were plenty of war scroll changes and it made sense that you would see points go up and go down. There were points decreases, your Thunder Tusk Beast Riders went down 15 points, your Lead Belchers, your Man Eaters and your Stonehorn Beast Riders all went down 10 points, your Husk Guard on Thunder Tusk, your Icebrow Hunter, your Slaughter Master all went down 5 points. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows because there was point increases too. Uh, to no surprise, the Huskard on Stonehorn becoming a priest has now seen its value go up 60 points. The Iron Blast went up 40 points. The Iron Guts went up 35 points. The Frost Sabers went up 25 points. Your Frost Lord on Stonehorn, your Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk, your Noblar Scrap Launchers, the Hawthorn Man Trappers, the Mournfang Pack and your Ogre Gluttons all went up 15 points, and your Black Powder Buccaneers and the Fire Bellies both went up 5 points. Reading this book, I really felt that Ogres are back in a big way, and while I don't collect either side of the Ogres, I was pretty tempted and I almost pulled the trigger a few times on the Start Collecting box. I felt like there was a lot to like in this book. The, the new scary as hell Stonehorn monstrous rampage, your Huskard on Stonehorn becoming a priest, your gulping bites becoming an ability doing mortal wounds, frost sabers not being visible while in cover and getting extra wounds, your Stonehorns and your Thunder Tusk getting extra wounds. You've also kept a lot of the more popular customization options like Metal Cruncher, Splatter Cleaver, even regaining some of the old War Scroll Battalions that you used to have access to in 2nd edition like Yorbad, Urbad, uh, Torbad, even the Junk Mob. There were a lot of interesting changes across the Lead Belchers who have range of now 18, your Iron Guts getting Ren minus 2 with those mighty bashing weapons, even the glow up to the Iron Blaster and the Scrap Launcher. I get the feeling the Gutbusters side of this faction may look over the fence to the Beast Claw Raiders and wish they got a little bit more, but I think there was enough changes that make the Gutbusters both interesting and competitive. You'll be winning your games with skill and not with the latest busted please nerf units. The Blood Pelt Hunter I thought was an interesting threat piece because it's not going to be visible to enemy units while it's in cover, it can move in your opponent's movement phase, and it has the potential to do some big damage to monsters. But that's enough from me because I'll be going much deeper into the faction with some experienced players in the very near future. So stay tuned and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. But let me know in the comments section what you're thinking. Are you on Team Gutbuster? Are you on Team Beast Claw Raiders? And what are you thinking so far about the changes? Is there anything here that you like? 
Is there something that has been removed from the book that you think is going to significantly impact the way that you play? Are you considering the Blood Pelt Hunter? I'd be curious to hear from you what you are thinking so far. Let me know in the comment section. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you press like on the video as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.